Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. I am so grateful that you're spending your time with us here today. Thank you. Today we have an amazing guest, a guest that is dear to my heart, that has helped me change everything in my career and life, Beck McFarland. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Liam. I'm so excited to finally be here. Yes, it's been a long time coming. So before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit more about Beck. So Beck McFarland is a career and business coach and the owner of Pop Your Career and Pop Your Business. She's passionate about helping you find your own personal flavor of fulfillment, whether that's a business owner or in a more traditional career. Beck's clients enjoy her sense of humor. I agree with that. Mm. Her wide breadth of knowledge and her ability to make even the most complex tasks manageable. Her community is supportive, engaging and thrives with her cheeky way of pushing people outside of their comfort zones to achieve real tangible results. Amen. Beck is a DISC advanced accredited consultant and facilitator. NLP Master Practitioner, a DESO Practitioner, and Bling Angel. She also holds qualifications in business, management, human resources, and learning and development. She lives in Canberra with her husband, Pooch, an adorable bearded dragon. I love that so much. So, Beck, let's dive in. So, backstory, Beck and I worked together. Beck was my career coach and business coach, and Beck is the reason why we're here. Beck is the reason why I launched High Performance Nursing (laughs) and stepped into the coaching space. So it is an honor and a privilege to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. Let's dive in and talk all things about you and your career, because you've had a fabulous career to this date. And tell us all the things about your career so far, Beck. Sure. So it all kind of starts in 2005 when I got my first job in the human resources industry. I started out working for a multinational recruitment agency. And prior to that, I'd just been doing administration jobs and just kind of whatever came up. And I really wasn't sure what to do next. It had been my childhood dream to be an Egyptologist Mm. and I was modelling my career on Indiana Jones. So it was kind of this pivotal point where I had to decide, you know, am I going to go into archaeology or am I going to do something different? And I saw a job advertised for recruitment and just thought, hey, why not? I'll give it a go went into the industry and haven't looked back since. Mm. So since that time in 2005, I've done loads of different jobs within the industry. I have done agency recruitment, both with multinationals and with boutique agencies. I've done in-house recruitment, labour hire. I was the human resources manager of a small business here in Canberra for four years did another three years in the people and culture team with the Australian Public Service. And then a few years ago now, I left my public service job and went full-time in my business, Pop Your Career, that I had been building for three years alongside of that public service job. Oh, I love that so much. It's a testament to anybody that's like, oh, no, I can't do anything different. I've got to stay where I am. No, you can do whatever the hell you want in your career. You can indeed. (laughs) For sure. I love that. So now you are the founder, director, badass CEO of Pop Your Career and Pop Your Business. 
I'm curious, we always talk on the podcast here about career values and your career why. What are your kind of top career values and what's your career why? What's your purpose? Yeah, so my top career value is fulfillment. Fulfillment really underpins absolutely everything that I do in both of my businesses. So it's important for me to feel fulfilled by the work that I'm doing, but I also want to help my clients find that whether they are in a traditional career or they're owning their business, it's all about, I guess, helping them to connect with that feeling of, Mm. you know, feeling fulfilled by the work they do, doing the work that really lights them up. So when I think about my why or my mission in business, it is really to help others do better and be better. And the way that I do that is by doing better and being better myself. So I'm always looking at the way that I'm modeling behaviors the things that I'm doing in my business and how others can learn from, you know, my successes and my mistakes. Mm, That's so good. I love that because one of the things that we established when we worked together was my kind of career values and my kind of career why. I was starting to uncover that. And honestly, it was a question I'd never even thought about. I never asked myself, why is it that I do nurse leadership? Like, why could I not do something different? And that question is super powerful and I love throwing it back to the High Performance Nursing podcast audience. But this really is like this chat today for me is a full circle moment because mm-hmm. I, and maybe you can elaborate <laughs> on this, but when I came to see you a few years ago, I think it was 2020, I was in a very, very different headspace. I was burnt out, misaligned, pissed off, angry, <laughs> in a shitty headspace. Yep. <laughs> reactive, believing that the world was, you know, the problem and you know, I didn't need to change a thing. And I had all of this mind drama. I was working as a nurse unit manager. I was overwhelmed and there were so many different things coming at me. And I came to work with you and what you offered me back was a safe space. I had to get curious, to explore and to just see what was possible for me in my career. And I love that analogy of be better, you know, do better, because that's what you offered me in in those coaching sessions when we worked together. And that, I believe, is the power of career coaching. And I think that's why we do what we do, because now I'm in a very different headspace and a very different space now, (laughs) having completely transitioned from working as a clinician. And now I run my own business, all again, a testament to the work that we did um, back in 2020. So can you tell me in the audience what is career coaching? Because it's quite a novelty in healthcare. We still think about mentorship and guidance, clinical supervision, but coaching hasn't really hit the mark yet. So what is it? Yeah, sure. So the way that I coach really is not traditional coaching. So when you're doing traditional coaching, it's really about the concept of the client having the answer and it's the coach's responsibility to help that client uncover the answer. What I do is a little bit of that, but it's also a lot of consulting, which really is looking upon the expertise that I have based on my career in recruitment and HR, and then being able to share those learnings and the areas where my clients can benefit from the experiences that I've had over the last many years. (laughs) 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 Maths is not one of my strong suits. (laughs) So I guess when I think about career coaching or the way that I coach, I think about the fact that there are three kind of key areas that people come to me for help with. The first is clarity and that gets broken down into two separate parts. The first is clarity around what to do next. So 
I get a lot of clients who come to me and they know that they're not feeling fulfilled by what they're doing, but they have no idea what else is available to them. And so they they know they want to change, but it's kind of like a blank slate. Mm. So what you've kind of just described, it's going back and having a look at the career values, understanding their strengths and their behavioral preferences, and then starting to put together a little bit of a picture around what is actually possible. The second part of clarity is then around how to actually go about it. So you might know that you want to have a change in industry and start moving your career in a different direction, but how do you actually make that happen? And when we look at that clarity, we're looking at some of the practical tools, like how do you actually package your skills and sell yourself in a resume or a cover letter? You know, how do you go about writing selection criteria responses if you're applying for the APS? How do you prepare for an interview? Mm. You know, how do you you know, put all of the information that we've gathered together in a way that influences employers and persuades them that you are the right candidate for the job. The second area that I help people with is their mindset. So with the confidence, I tend to find that, you know, we're working with clients who may have had poor experiences within the workplace. So this could mean that they've been bullied or harassed, undergone some kind of workplace trauma, could mean that they've just been overlooked, that they have themselves had some performance issues. Or, you know, I also encounter a lot of clients who have had a period out of the workforce, whether that's because they are a new mom, they have had other caring responsibilities, they've been traveling. And we look at the impact that that actually has on somebody's confidence Mm. of being away from work, what that actually looks like and how they can regain some of that confidence and, you know, return to the workforce in a more positive mind space. Mm. So then the third thing that I really help people with is the accountability piece. And this is kind of like me walking alongside somebody when they're going on, on a specific part of their journey. And in practical terms, this might be if someone is looking for a new job and they're doing applications and going through the interview process is that it might mean that we have weekly check-ins, that we, you know, we go through their applications together and make sure that they're all on point. We look at ways that they could improve the way that they're selling themselves Mm. or the way that they're tailoring application packages to suit certain jobs. So the work that I do really spans across those three areas. And I find that, you know, depending on where the client is in their journey is really where we tend to tend to focus their coaching. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Career coaching is so much more than just resumes and interviews. And I think that it's important to recognize that because you're right. A lot of people are lacking the clarity. A lot I hear like I feel lost a lot. Like I feel very lost and stuck. Mm. And in likewise, you know, high performance nursing, we go through the mindset and thinking that the mindset is kind of like the integral part of it, the first kind of stop point to help us create that space to then explore like what is actually possible for you. And I like that you bring up the consulting side of it because it is that there is a component of advice giving and like, have you thought about these different strategies? It is ultimately like a game, isn't it? I always think when you're thinking of moving into a new area, a new space, setting up a business, it's a game and you need a strategy. And that's kind of what we offer people. Mm. And I guess it is looking at what is possible and overcoming the barriers that people are seeing, you know, for those possibilities. 
So I have a, you know, a lot of clients who come to me in a similar boat to you where maybe they're thinking about starting a business, but there's something that's getting in the way. And often it is themselves. Mm-hmm. It's their own levels of confidence, their imposter syndrome, whatever's kind of going on for them. And so I have a lot of people saying to me like, oh, I can't do that. You know, if I did want to do that, I'd have to go and get another qualification. (laughs) And a lot of the time, you know, my response is no, actually you don't. Mm. You can just make an offer and start today. And I think that that is one of my favorite things about being in this industry is being able to really empower people to take the first step and to realize that the barriers that they had perceived that were in front of them maybe aren't that big of a deal after all. Mm, Yeah. As um, Brene Brown would talk about, it's all those stories, right? It's the stories that we run. It's the stories and the thoughts that we hold on to and we make them mean something about our capabilities moving forwards. And we bring everything from our past and we bring it to our future instead of kind of just trying to process that and disconnect from it mm. and then see what, what what do you want to create moving forward? What is possible for you? And it sounds easy when we talk through it, but Beck and I coached a lot on this where for weeks on end, it would be like, no, Beck, I can't do that. I definitely need to get a PhD in nursing before I can do this. <laughs> and Beck's like, no, <laughs> stop. It's not, you don't need it. You're banned from further study. <laughs> yeah, you're banned from any other studies. Jokes aside, that actually did come up when I um, was thinking about doing my life coach certification, like Beck's on my shoulder going, do you really need it? <laughs> Do you need this, Liam? But I think it's important in those circumstances to really connect to why you're doing something. Exactly. And I think that's the power of coaching, right? Is that when you give yourself that space, you can then make an informed, deliberate decision rather than a reactive, oh my goodness, there's something missing. I need to go and fill the gap with another qualification. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing is that, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to people about qualifications and study, I'm aware of the fact that I can come across as being a little bit anti-professional development, but that's not the case at all. It's like, if you're going out and doing a qualification because you believe that you need that piece of paper or that, you know, that piece of paper is going to give you the credibility that you crave, then Mm -hmm. that's when I'm kind of second guessing things and saying, maybe you don't necessarily you know, need to do it. But if you're chasing a qualification because of the fact that you're really interested in the subject matter and you're excited about learning about it, or for example, you know, with the study that you're doing now, looking at the way that it's actually going to benefit you as an individual, Mm. then that's a really different story. It's a different way of actually approaching the study or the qualification. Yeah, I love that. It's more about the return on investment for you as a human, first and foremost. I think that a lot of university certifications are more about gaining more knowledge and skill and they're not necessarily equipping us with the life human skills that we actually need to thrive in the industries that we're working in be that nursing or APS or whatever that's kind of like the missing pieces and it's like the missing semester of life yeah and look I mean I understand completely because I've never been to uni. Mm. Well, never successfully. (laughs) (laughs) I have tried a couple of times and I found that it's really not for me. Mm. But, you know, I've got other qualifications. I've got a few diplomas under my belt, a few certificates, you know, certifications, things like that. I went through a period of being a little bit of a qualification collector. 
And I think that part of the reason for that was I was trying to justify the fact that I hadn't been to university and try and kind of bolster myself and and get some of that credibility that I was looking for. But, you know, what I can tell you is I've been running Pop Your Career now since 2015 and Pop Your Business since early 2020. And I don't think I've ever had a client in that time who has ever asked me about my qualifications. Mm, mm, Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because, yeah, it doesn't happen. People don't care. People don't care. They connect to you as an individual, right, and as a human. And, And that applies in the job search, whether you're going for your promotion, you're going for a sideways move it all applies, right? They don't really care about whether or not you've got a bit of paper. Well, they do in nursing. You do need a bachelor's, unfortunately. You do need a piece of paper in nursing. We do collect that bit of paper. But after that, don't fool yourself by thinking that you need a master's in healthcare leadership to be an Asuna manager. You don't. No. You can just position yourself and develop the life. I think it's more actually about developing the life skills to be able to succeed as an ocean manager because when I came to you back that's what I was lacking mm. I didn't actually understand like my CV wasn't shocking you might disagree but um, <laughs> it was more that I had everything that I needed but I just didn't have the life skills the accountability the coaching and the space to just gift myself that exploration I think that's what I think me. as well though you know you had gone down that career path and you had you were very committed to that career path. You know, you'd made the decision that you were going to be a nurse and that you were going to be a high-performance nurse and that you were going to follow that through and build upon your expertise and climb the nursing ladder. I think that at the point that you came to me, it was partially about, to kind of put it bluntly, cracking your head open a little mm. Mm. And kind of just saying, you know, this is this is not the be all and end all, and there are other possibilities out there for you that could allow you to feel very fulfilled, but that will also allow you to use what it is that you've worked so hard to build throughout your career. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's that's part of the reason that people fear the career shift or you know changing career directions is it's like. I've spent so many years building up my expertise and my credibility in this area or industry. If I change, I have to go back to the bottom of the ladder and start again. Mm. And actually, you know, you've proven that, no, you don't. Mm. That is actually, you know, a false assumption. Yeah, it's so true. I actually got a little, I felt a little bit emotional when you were saying that there because, it's it's right you know ultimately we we do just need to give ourselves that space everybody deserves to have space to explore that mm. and to crack the head open and be like what is it that I really want because I could never have envisioned you you asked me I think the first week we coached like what does a perfect day in the life look like mm. and like that was such a hard task for me I was like what do you mean like I go to work at 7am I drag my sorry arse out of bed and like <laughs> I don't eat breakfast and then I have a terrible like I couldn't see through it and so many of my clients I do that with them now and they're like oh like I just I just don't know like what's possible for me mm. it's not until you gift yourself that space with somebody like you or I that you can then explore that fully it's such a beautiful gift to give yourself and you rewrite the narrative of what success looks like. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely mm, agree. Because mm. I thought success was CEO, Don, mm. you know, climbing to the top. And now success for me is like, oh, I got to go to the gym this morning when I wanted to go. And my, I feel healthy in my body and I'm eating healthy. 
and my mindset is clean mm. and I get to create whatever the hell I want Yeah, moving forwards. And people think that, Jenna, what would you say to people back that maybe think, well, that's all well good, that all, all well and good for you, Jenna, Beck or you, Liam. It's not possible for me. What would you say to those people? Uh, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I have a concept that I share with a lot of my clients, and this is that your job can be your dream or your job can be the thing that facilitates you living your dream. Now, I think we have to be realistic about the fact that there are jobs in society that probably no one gets really that excited about. I always use the dear garbage collector as my mm. example, but I can't imagine that there are very many garbage collectors who are bouncing out of bed in the morning and they're saying, oh my God, I can't wait to go to work today. But what we can do is that we can acknowledge that every job that we hold is a stepping stone to somewhere else. And we can look at what the benefits are and what we're actually getting from each of those jobs along the way. So although not everybody does have the capacity to work in their dream job right now and today, mm. we can look at like, how how is that job facilitating you actually living your dream more broadly? And so for some of my clients, this might be things like, you know, my job allows me to finish at three o'clock in the afternoon so that I can go and pick up my kids from school or so that I can have the flexibility to go to school assembly or volunteer in the school canteen or something like that. You know, we also have clients that turn around and say, you know, I don't necessarily love my job, but it pays quite well. And so I'm able to afford that annual holiday with my family. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be that I don't necessarily, you know, get excited every morning about going to work, but my job is actually giving me a certain experience that I need in order to be able to get to the next step. And so I think those things are, are really not to be discounted and they're all part of the journey to getting to a point where, you know, hopefully you can take on your dream job. So the kind of approach that I take is looking at it and saying, you know, let's assess your current job and let's look at what are, you know, what are the good points and what are the things that are missing? Now, for me, I knew in my public service job that I did not want to be in the public service in the super duper long term. Mm. But when I first started, I was really happy and I had no plan of leaving. In fact, I used to say to my business coach at the time, you know, my side hustle is never going to be my main hustle because I'm really happy. But I was able to see the things that were missing and they, for me, were the creativity and the coaching. And then I was able to build that in through my side hustle. It's not to say that everyone needs to start a business on the side mm. of their job. That would be ridiculous. But it's like, where else in your life can you bring those pieces in that you're missing to have that fulfillment? And I think when you look at it like that, it feels a lot more possible and less of that kind of pie in the sky, mm. fairy tale, out of reality kind of thing that you might come across when, you know, when you first begin a conversation like this one. Mm, it's like that vision of the overnight success, hey, or somebody that just automatically mm. joins the industry and then is director of nursing Joe day three. <laughs> and it just doesn't happen like that. Yes. I love what you talk about there because 
I think that one of the pivotal moments in our coaching together for me was when we did the career values kind of work. Well, that highlighted that my highest value was creativity. And I remember coming to you and being like, so that's great. But like, how the hell do I bring creativity to nursing? Like where it's very standard, very procedure driven, it's science, it's evidence-based and I can't get creative by, you know, putting in a catheter in somebody. Like I'll probably get struck off the register. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of like really perplexed. And then we went down the route of like, well, what else can you do in your life, Liam, outside of work? And I love that idea of like, your job can be, you know, your dream or, and that really resonated with me. Mm. And for people listening, that's kind of, you know, build your life around your work yeah. rather than okay. vice versa. I feel like as nurses in particular, we are so committed to the profession. Mm. We still have that deep, deep commitment. And therefore from that place, we then always give to the workplace first yeah. rather than looking at our week and saying, well, what is it that I can do? for myself this weekend for me it used to be my singing lesson yeah once a week right in my theater back I used to always talk about theater and that would be the thing that would kind of refill my cup and I still do that now and it's so so important I wanted to dive into behavioral profiling because you talked about it earlier and I think it segues nicely here what is behavioral profiling what is disc because again that for me was an aha moment I gave me real deep insight into who I was showing up as at work and who I was naturally, like in my authentic state. Mm. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So I did my DISC accreditation many years ago now. And honestly, it was one of the best things that I've done in my career because it's really changed the way that I see everything And it's become one of the foundation tools that I use with all of my coaching clients. So when we talk about DISC, it is a behavioral profiling tool and it helps you to understand your behavioral preferences. So unlike some of the other tests out there, like Myers-Briggs, for example, which looks at your personality, DISC actually looks at your behavior. And the way that I learned DISC and the way that I implement DISC is really based on energy and the way that we use our energy, both in the workplace and also outside of the workplace. So when we're looking at somebody's DISC profile, we're really looking at the crossover points between two scales. The first is extroversion versus introversion. Mm. And when we talk about that, we're talking about the way that you gain and lose energy. So an extrovert doesn't necessarily have to be loud and outgoing what it means is that they gain energy from spending time with other people and that they lose energy from spending time on their own. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, we've got our introverts who gain energy from spending time on their own and lose energy from spending time with other people. The other scale that we're looking at is task-focused versus people-focused. So our task-focused people are very focused on results. So they want to get to the prize, you know, they want to get the task complete and for everything to be able to be wrapped up in a nice little bow. On the other side, our people who are people-focused are more focused on relationships and feelings and you know, the way that we actually relate to the people around us. So what ends up happening here is that we have four different quadrants, which are D, I, S, and C. 
And these help us to understand ourselves and also the people around us. Mm. So with DISC, we can see where our own strengths lie. As I said, where our behavioral preferences lie. So the way that we, the way that we behave naturally. And we can also see which things are outside of our natural scope or, you know, what we might traditionally call a comfort zone. Mm. But you've hit on a really good point there about the concept of who you are naturally and who you are in the workplace. When we run a full disc profile on someone, we actually do two profiles and we look at who they are naturally, which is like who they are out in the wild, Mm. and then who they become when they step into their workplace. And this creates a beautiful comparison for us where we're able to see where are you stretching your energetic rubber band? So where are you stepping out of that energetic comfort zone each day? And how are you actually building in mechanisms to allow you to recover and regenerate your energy? So I find it to be an incredibly useful tool in terms of helping people to understand themselves, Mm. in helping them understand the types of careers that are going to suit them, to understand how they best use their energy and how they can be more proactive about rebuilding their energy after it's been drained. But it also shows us the way that we can make small adaptations or adjustments to our behaviour in order to get better outcomes from the people around us. And that can be in your personal relationships, Mm. in relationships with people at work, you know, when you're negotiating, when you're building friendships. It really is an incredible tool that can be applied to almost any situation in any area of your life. Mm, It's so powerful. And I love how you just talked through it there, like super simplified it, because it is quite a complex process. Like when you go through it, there's a lot of information that you get back from it. But I think that was an aha moment for me on the coaching journey when we worked together and I realized Liam at work was very different to who I was authentically And it kind of gave me this insight into the feelings that I had about my work, my life, my career, like always feeling so Mm -hmm. stretched energetically, always feeling so burnt out. And I think that that, that the disc profiling is something that would be super beneficial in healthcare, you know, to really open people's eyes up. Because here's the thing, like, who's done this work? No one's done it. Yeah. No one has done this. This should be a school thing. You know, you should be getting insight into this and who you are then. Because at that point, when you showed me my results and we went through it, I was like, wow, it kind of just confirmed why I was feeling so misaligned. Mm. And I just went, right, well, now this gives me the ammunition to to take massive action. I felt like I was seen for the first time. Mm. It's really, really an empowering experience. Yeah, it is. And I do agree with you. It's the type of tool that I think would be so valuable in school but also it can be really useful in workplaces. Mm. And that's one of the things that I sometimes do is actually go into workplaces and use this tool to help teams understand where their similarities and differences are across a team situation. Mm. You know, where are their strengths and their weaknesses as a team? Do they have conflicts and why are those conflicts arising? And, you know, Conflict itself is a really interesting point because it is something that I help a lot of my clients deal with. And 
I would have to say it's like nearly every single time that somebody comes to me and says, I'm not getting along with this person in the workplace. When we map it out using their disc profiles, we can see exactly why. Mm. And that gives us a clear path to actually being able to start to repair that relationship and look at the way that we're actually viewing or perceiving that relationship differently. Mm. So powerful. Disc is on my certificate collection list. <laughs> I'll allow it. You'll allow it. Thank <laughs> you again. The proof you all heard it here first. Yeah, so I can do it. <laughs> I love Indeed. That. Let's talk a bit more about your second business because you're very busy. You have two businesses. Yes. And you have pop your business. So tell us a bit more about that. Sure. So what I found is that, you know, one of the strategies that I used to grow my first business popular career was a lot of networking. So even though I'm an extreme introvert, I incorporated a lot of networking into my business strategy. And I found that I was meeting a lot of other business owners and, you know, other people who were out there trying to to grow their businesses and figure out what they really enjoyed doing. What I found is that, you know, through this, people started approaching me and asking me how I had experienced the success that I'd experienced in popular career and were asking me whether or not I would actually consider coaching them in their businesses. Now, when this happened, I kind of approached the situation with a lot of hesitation Mm. because I was really conscious of people kind of projecting themselves as things that perhaps they didn't have the business (laughs) of projecting themselves (laughs) as. So I didn't really want to come out and say, you know, I'm a business coach when I'd never really done business coaching before and I didn't have any runs on the board. So for a little while... I did what I called being a business coach incognito. (laughs) Um, So I kind of, I did it in hiding basically and started taking on a few clients, coaching them in their businesses, helping them to start to, you know, change the trajectory of their businesses and start to experience some success. And I did that probably for about 12 or 18 months. So it was quite a long time. Around the beginning of the pandemic, so early in 2020, I made the decision that I was ready and that it was time for me to actually launch Popular Business for real. And that at that time, you know, I came out, I did the announcement, I started the Facebook page, all of those kinds of things. And not much changed in terms of the one-to-one coaching or consulting that I was doing in that space. You know, I was still working with people one-to-one, helping them develop strategies for their business and then helping them to implement those strategies. What did change is that I also started running a lot of online programs. In 2020, my business exploded. I ran a lot of programs (laughs) within a fairly short period of time. And that was quite an experience because it allowed me to quite quickly grow my audience for popular business and also to start developing the credibility that I, you know, I really sought because of the fact that 
my clients were getting the runs on the board and therefore I was getting the runs on the board. Mm. And so what that saw was, you know, I started to get testimonials from clients. My clients were starting to share about their successes and I started to develop a reputation within the industry and, and specifically here in the in Canberra in the small business community. So since then, I have kind of slowed down in terms of the, the online programs and things like that. But I've tried a lot of different things mm. on the business side and I've really treated it as like a big experiment. So I have run things like online summits. I have started a podcast. I've started a product range. You know, I've got lots of different things happening. And for me, I really enjoy that because it does give me that variety and that versatility in the way that I'm able to provide my clients with mm. what it is that they need and really listen and pivot and change and shift in the way that my community are telling me that they need me to. Mm, I love that. I think it's super important to sample and experiment two things I think that you do really, really well. And you're right, like you just have to. And I'm kind of treating this year in my business as a sampling year and experiment year where I just try all the things and see what works, see what fits, see what lands because I know what people yeah. are looking for, but at the same time, that's my experience. I want to make sure that I meet them where they're at and, you know, mm. serve them in the best way possible. And it's such a great lesson for your career. You know, sample experiment. Mm. There is no need to to make all of that, you know, depth of work, that 10-year career in one specialty means something about your ability to change, pivot, shift. Just go for it and give yourself that space. Yeah. There's real beauty in that in kind of just removing the stigma around failure and, you know, removing a lot of the worry as well. So in my business, I refer to this book a lot. It's called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And to be honest, I've never read the whole book. I read the first chapter or two and that was the part that counted. But it really taught me that when we're worried about something, that often we're worried about the kind of worst case scenario. And in this book, it actually teaches you to explore that worst case scenario and see it for what it is. And it's like, you ask the question, and then what? Mm. And then what would happen? And then what would happen? And you go down this rabbit hole where it's like, you know, if I were to fail, then what would happen? And then what would happen? And then what would happen? And when you get to the end of the line, unless either A, somebody dies or B, you end up living on the side of the road in a cardboard box, you're probably doing okay. Mm, You know, what you're concerned about is probably actually not that big of a deal. It's not really necessarily something that you can't come back from. Mm. And so... I am in a fortunate position in my career where if I do fail at something, no one is going to die Mm -hmm. or live in a cardboard Mm -hmm. box. I understand that for some career paths, that could be different. But what it has allowed me to do is to just kind of throw caution to the wind and say, if I feel like doing something, why don't I do it? Mm. So there have been things like, you know, I'll run an event. I've got a huge conference that's coming you know, why don't we do it? Let's see. I ran a retreat a couple of years ago, you know, in late 2020. I took a group of amazing clients to Bowral 
for a, a weekend business retreat. Like I say, I've launched a product range and I don't spend a lot of time sitting around like thinking about these ideas. If I get the idea and I feel like I want to give something a go, I just do it because what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm. You know, let's say I don't sell enough tickets for the event to be viable. Well, I'll cancel the event and I'll refund the tickets mm. to the people that have that have already purchased. Yeah. You know, that's okay. Mm. Same with an online program. You know, if, if I say that I'm going to run an online program and then I don't get enough people purchasing it for it to be financially viable, then it's totally okay for me to change my mind. And mm. Mm. I think that it's that element of choice that makes the experimentation so powerful but also enjoyable. Mm. And that's, I love all of that. And that's why it's so important to be able to self-coach and self-lead and manage your own mindset. Mm. Because our bestie, Brooke Castillo, we can't go without talking about our best friend, Brooke Castillo. She will be our best friend at some point in the future. She will. We're manifesting that. But for those of you that don't know, I'm doing my life coach training through Brooke Castillo's school, the Life Coach School. And Beck is the reason why I'm going down that path because she introduced me to the podcast and it changed my life. So thank you, Beck, for that. But Brooke talks about this concept, right? She talks about this idea of failing forwards. Oh, sorry, failing ahead of time. Hmm. And, you know, when we're sitting in the worry and we're sitting in the fear and the anxiety, we are literally indulging this failing ahead of time concept. Like, I'm going to fail at the interview on Friday. Hmm. Why would you ever choose to believe that that's true? Yeah. Like, it's just so disempowering. And I love what you raised there is we can actually in the moment increase our failure tolerance and the resilience to failure and just be like, and what? Like, what if I do fail on Friday? Guess what? There's so many other jobs you can go out there and get. It doesn't matter. It is kind of like disconnecting from the attachment to the outcome. Mm. And this is something that I teach a lot of my coaching clients when they're doing interview preparation is it's like, if you believe that this job is your only option and that if you don't get this job, that your world is going to end, then the way that you perform in that interview is not going to be as well as if you're able to detach yourself from the Mm -hmm. outcome and say, you know, I'll get the job if it's meant to be. And if I don't, there are other opportunities available Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, it's also this idea of the time frame in which we make decisions. And so what you kind of just shared about, you know, like failing ahead of time or, or saying, you know, I'm going to fail at this on Friday is it's also I see people like front loading their decision making. And what I mean by that is like, oh gosh, I don't know. Like, should I apply for this job? I don't know if the job's right for me or, you know, if I'm really going to like the team or, you know, and my thing is you actually don't have a decision to make at this moment because you haven't applied for the job and you haven't gotten the job. So just apply for the job. Mm. 
you know, Mm. like who cares? And then the beauty is that later on down the track, you know, you might get an interview and, and it's not a like, should I go to the interview or shouldn't I? You don't have a decision to make at this stage of the process either. Just go to the interview, just, just follow the process through. And then at the end of the process, when you get offered the job, that's when you've got the decision to make, Mm. you know? So, it's almost like we can get ourselves worked up in this worry and this anxiety trying to make decisions that are actually not ours to make. Mm. So my best friend has always said, he calls it the see what happens game. Mm. Mm. And that's what I tell my clients. We're just going to play the see what happens game. And then in the end, you may have a decision to make Mm. or you may not. Yeah. And that immediately just allows you to reduce the cognitive overload, all the fear, all the worry, all the yeah. mind drama. And you and I love that. It's kind of like the opposite of failing ahead of time. It's like succeeding ahead of time and you don't even have the success yet. Yeah. So it's like it's like you're spending the money without actually having it. And it's that's never a good way to kind of approach something. You show up, you deliver, you give yourself the best opportunity, you stay true to yourself in the moment. And then, like you say, you detach from the outcome. Yeah. And here's the thing, people listening, you know, I bought this narrative for a long time. It's not the job's job to make you happy. (laughs) Like, you know, and I think we've bought into, I bought into this big time that my job should make me happy. When we start to understand that it's our thoughts about the job that actually Mm. empower us, that you can go to a not so great job. Like you said earlier, like maybe doing the trash and the garbage but it's your thoughts that you have about the job and your reason why you do that maybe it's facilitating his dream to become a football player who knows like totally like you just don't know totally. i mean it all comes down to mind management it's fascinating we could talk forever on it for sure so i would love to dive into just as we kind of wrap up obviously you mentioned your podcast the brave and business podcast i've been a guest in there please do go and check it out guys it's amazing the link will be in the show notes I'm curious, I'm sure you've done lots of brave things, but what would you say is the bravest thing that you've done in your business and what did it require from you? Mm. There have been a lot. It's a big question. (laughs) It is a big question because there are a lot of things and I think that when you become a person who is not going to be phased by the prospect of failure, it's amazing how many really brave things yeah. that you can do. Agree. Yeah. Look, one of the stories that I often come back to as being, you know, one of those initial points of bravery was really around the time that I left my job in the public service and went full time in my business, popular career. So around this time, you know, I had the website and there was lots of stock images on the website and and it was, you know, it was beautiful, but it wasn't me. I was very, very much hidden behind the scenes. And, you know, there might have been a tiny little photo of me maybe on the about page or something like that. But aside from that, I was like just nowhere to be seen. And I got some feedback from a good friend of mine who basically called me out on it and said, like, where the hell are you? <laughs> you know, like, I want to refer somebody to you, but he's had a look at your website and he can't relate at all to these kind of perfect stock image people. 
And so it was around that time that I really realized the value of personal branding and how important it was for me to actually step out from behind that brand and become Beck McFarland. And it's something that I have been working on since that moment is actually being truly and authentically myself and just embracing the weirdness <laughs> that is me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm okay with it. And, you know, it's not just the, you know, the way that I look, the Larry hair or the outfits that I wear and things like that. But it's the way that I talk. Mm. It's the way that, you know, I love a good dad joke. <laughs> I love really old, irrelevant pop culture <laughs> references. <laughs> you know, I'm always looking for an opportunity to slip in a joke about Marty McFly or Back to the Future. <laughs> and I think that that's actually why my clients love me mm. is because of the fact that I have gotten to that point in my life where I am really comfortable with who I am and I'm really happy in putting that forward and doing that in public. I think from there, you know, it has been a continual journey of being brave because what I've learned through that is that I learn the most from listening to stories about other people's failures. Mm. You know, I don't always want to hear about everything that they've done that has gone really well. I don't get as much from that as I do from, you know, really getting into some of that meaty stuff around like, okay, well, why didn't it work? And what could you do better next time or do differently next time? And through this, I've learned that you know, the people who are in my community will take a lot away as well from me, not just sharing my failures, but also sharing my vulnerabilities. And I think that in the business world, there is a lot of propaganda. There is a lot of fakery in, you know, in terms of photographs of people in hammocks with their laptops and that kind of mm. thing you know, these these unrealistic, unbelievable types of ideals that people are projecting. And I'm really against that mm. because I don't think it sets other people up for success. I think it sets other people up for, for being really disappointed when they realise that that's not what it's all about. Mm. And so, you know, as I progress and I continue to develop my personal brand, it's being brave and sharing about my own mental health struggles mm. and, you know, the other experiences that I'm having in business when maybe things just aren't as peachy keen as what I would like them to be. Mm. So I'd say I've been pretty darn brave in doing those things already and it's something that I'm continuing to put on a brave face and do in the future not just for the way that it benefits me, but for the way that it benefits the people around me as well. Yeah, and we're so grateful for that. That vulnerability 
is the bravest thing you could ever do, right? And stepping into that, coming through your own mind drama, all the self-doubt, all the imposter syndrome, all of that. Mm. You know, people think that there's maybe a day where you wake up and it's all gone. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, if it does, please tell me. It does not. But you can get better at managing <laughs> it, right? And you can get better at working through it. And uh, that's a beautiful, brave, brave thing that you've gifted yourself. Love that. So, Thank you. Let's dive in. I'm going to ask you a couple of quick rapid fire questions. I'd like to have a bit of fun towards the end and then we'll wrap up. Sound like a plan? Definitely it does. Amazing. Great. So, Beck, now that you've told me that you love a dad joke, what's your favorite dad joke? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <sighs> my I'll tell you my dad's favorite dad okay. joke. What do you call a monkey with a stake on its head? I have no idea. A gorilla. Oh my goodness. Oh, that is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Oh, he can keep that one. I love that. That's all funny. All righty. On a more serious note, if someone is on the fence about seeing a career or a business coach, what would you tell them? What would you say to them? I would say find someone who you relate to. Mm. So do some discovery calls. Start having conversations with coaches and and see if you can find somebody who you really resonate with because I think that's part of the journey and not every career coach, like I'm not for everybody and I know that. So, you know, find somebody who you feel really comfortable with and who you feel that you can have those kinds of conversations with Mm. and look the other thing that I would say to you is it is an investment in yourself but it is also an investment that your employers may make in you Mm. so that's just something for you to consider as well whether it is something that you know maybe you want to work into your professional development plan with your employer Mm, I love that a final question what's the best piece of life career business advice that you've received what's the kind of thing that stands out to you it's a hard question Liam (laughs) it's a broad question (laughs) it's a very broad question but I think I'm gonna finish this conversation in the same way that we started it by telling you that it's just a thought (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah for real yeah that's powerful that right we can reclaim all our power when we realize that i love it's it. just a thought and we have the power to change our thoughts mm. and i think just to expand on that our thoughts are the only thoughts that we have the power to change yeah 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 mm. powerful when we um tap into that and we actually believe it and practice it right we all know it on an intellectual <laughs> level but how many of us actually do that yes i love it Beck. thank you so much for your time thank you for everything as i always say to you i'm forever indebted to you for all of the work that we did back in 2020 it was the catalyst for me getting my arse into gear and i think that coaching is just so transformational and I want everybody to sample it moving forward so thank you thank you so much me too and my pleasure thank you so much for having me on and for choosing me to be your coach of course forever grateful for that yes of course so where can people find you and connect with you uh look I'm everywhere at pop your career Yep. So you can find me at popyourcareer.com, popyourbusiness.com. I am at popyourcareer and popyourbiz on both Instagram and Facebook. And 
you know, if you're that way inclined, you can find me on Twitter at Beck McFarland. Can't <laughs> promise the content's great, but the dad jokes are usually pretty on point. <laughs> we come for the dad jokes. I love that. Thank you so much, Beck. All of the links to all of Beck's services will be in the show notes. Please do check all of them out and the podcast Brave and Business. It's fabulous. And yeah, thank you so much, Beck. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and stay forever curious. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.